Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how's it going? Going pretty good, Henry. Happy to be here. Right on. We are also joined by Christian Diadamo. Christian, how are you? Doing great. Happy to get back in the theater and watching Marvel movies again. Yes, indeed. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into Black Widow, the triumphant return to the theaters of the MCU. Woohoo! Yes. But first, the Comic Sauce Podcast is on social media. Catch us at Comic Sauce Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And um, at this very moment, it is July 15th, 2021. So even though Black Widow is fresh in our minds, we all saw it last week. Uh, freshest in our minds is the Loki show which we just finished. We're going to pause Loki for the moment uh, and talk about it next episode. So stay tuned next time for Loki discussion. Um, yeah, so we'll let, we'll let uh, Loki uh, hang out on the on-deck circle for now. And uh, let's continue on here. Before we get into Black Widow, there was a bit of news Somewhat exciting news. You know, we're talking a lot about Marvel stuff right now. And the news item is Marvel as well. What do you got for us, Porfirio? Yeah, so a few days ago, um, the Emmy nominations were announced. And Marvel got their first nominations for Marvel Television. So um, WandaVision got 23 nominations, including... Um, Elizabeth Olsen for Best Actress, Paul Bettany for Best Actor, Catherine Han for Best Supporting Actress. Even the show itself got an award for Best Limited Series. So, in my opinion, I think the show is well-deserved for all those nominations. It was just a really great show. Listen back to our episode on when we reviewed the, the show, and you could I'll explain to you in that episode why I think why it's so awesome. Why, why that show is awesome and deserves its nominations. Yes. Your many reasons for loving WandaVision, right? Yes. But WandaVision <laughs> wasn't the only show that got its nominations. Um, yep. Falcon Winter Soldier also surprisingly got five nominations, including um, Don Chattel for best supporting actor in Falcon and Winter Soldier which I don't know if you could tell by my tone, but I'm really confused on how he got that and how he got that award because he was legit only in it for one scene under two minutes. And yet somehow he still got the nomination, but good for him. And like he says, forget all the haters. Yeah, this is a pretty funny one because to call him a supporting actor on the show is definitely a stretch. It was borderline a cameo, right? He was in one scene and uh, it wasn't exactly like one of these scene stealing scenes either. It was just kind of him and and uh, Anthony Mackie chatting 
you know, at the Captain America exhibit at the Smithsonian mm-hmm. and like, kind of like an exposition type scene. And uh, yeah, big surprise <laughs> with this nomination. Uh, yeah, just, just kind of silly, I think. And just all these uh, Marvel Disney Plus nominations, it's, it's kind of nuts, you know, like as if Disney Plus Marvel needed more recognition. Right. <laughs> hype, right. I mean, everyone's talking about these shows anyway. Um, seems kind of overkill, but hey, you know, we're all Marvel fans here, so we're, we're digging it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that kind of what you said in a previous episode that like, I, I feel like from now on, like Marvel moving forward, like the future is going to be in the Disney Plus series. I mean, like the money's always yeah. going to be there for the films, but now touching the waters with the streaming services and the TV shows, it's really kind of where the future is, um, which is something that wasn't able to be done before, like with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Netflix shows. So this is really fun and exciting. Yeah, good point. And we will get into it more next time with Loki. But yeah, with Loki... I think it really solidified the idea that the MCU is really happening, not only in movies, but also TV. There is like mm-hmm. essential MCU content going down mm-hmm. on Disney plus. Right. Uh, so it's, it's no longer just like filler or like side material. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really significant stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. And speaking of significant stuff in the MCU, Black Widow. Let's get into it. Big spoiler alert. Uh, Everything's fair game for the movie, which just came out. It's been a big hit at the box office, domestically and internationally, and on Disney+. Plus. You know, a lot of people watched Black Widow at home also, so... Marvel is making a lot of money off of this movie so far. A lot of people are talking about it. A lot of people are enjoying it. And um, hey, this was a fun one for the three of us. We saw this movie all together. And we were with a bunch of other friends, too. So it was like a party last week, right? (laughs) So let's talk a bit about that first. So before we even get into the movie itself, Let's talk about the experience of going back to movie theaters and watching a new Marvel Studios movie. This is something that hasn't happened in a long time. Uh, So uh, maybe you can start, Christian. Uh, What was your experience like watching Black Widow last week with us? Oh, it was fantastic. Um, We saw it at the, the wonderful Metreon Theater and... It was um, it was like old times, you know. Everyone got together. We had some fun banter. All got excited for the movie, and then you know we all went, got our popcorn and soda, sat in the theater. As soon as the the Marvel logo came up, you know, people started cheering and clapping, and like like packed like packed theater, um, yeah. and so. Like it, it was a lot of fun. It definitely reminded me of you know the the good old days, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, how about you, Perfirio? What was it like for you? Uh, 
it was definitely like a lot going off a lot of what Christian said. Like it was a lot of fun. It was definitely reminiscent of pre-pandemic days. Like the energy was just different. People were happy to be back in the theater, um, cheering, crying, laughing. And it was just really, really awesome. Um, you know, we went with um, our good friends, Michelle and Megan. It was their first time seeing a Marvel movie in theaters. And the whole time, I just kept hyping up to them. Like, it is, like, an experience like no other. It's just, you know, you, you're in a room of completely different strangers. And you don't know them. But it's kind of a little bit like a community because... You're all here for one thing, to watch a Marvel movie and just nerd out about it. And they definitely got that experience and they love that energy. You know, they re they definitely, like, were able to, like, deficiate, de de like, watching Marvel movies the past year at home versus watching it for the first time in theaters. It was a total different atmosphere for them. And, like I said, like, we're all used to this, so it just felt good to being in that kind of environment again it was a lot of fun yeah it definitely felt good i agree and um yeah i was enjoying every little bit of it you know all all those little nuances the little rituals you know making sure you get to the theater on time we kind of all plan to meet up beforehand if you're hungry mm -hmm. you could grab a bite to eat and um the food court of the San Francisco Metreon has restaurants, but with COVID, like some were closed, some were open, and there was a lot of unknowns going on. And of course, you got to find parking and, mm -hmm. you know, different people in our group carpooled and just, you know, coordination and stuff. And, and uh, you know, a lot of that stuff in the past has been kind of a hassle, right? But I just embraced it, you know, <laughs> like it's been so long <laughs> since we got to do something like this. It's just fun, you know, like, oh, where do we meet? And when are you going to be there? And oh, I, I, I'm going to eat beforehand. Or, oh, you're going to eat there. And just those little things, it, it just yeah. added to the experience, you know. And um, yeah, I, I was just loving it. Um, we did a, a group photo in front of a Black Widow poster before the movie and um, yeah, it was just exciting and and uh, brought back a lot of fond memories of all the other times that I uh, saw Marvel Studio movies in the past. Uh, so great times for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, real quick note. Um, that was the first time I saw Black Widow. I did see it a second time. I saw it the very next day and um, I saw it on an IMAX screen, which is notable because the experience on IMAX was slightly different than a standard movie screen. Mm -hmm. um, I can maybe get into this a little more, but um, it was a little bit similar to uh, the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy where there were specific scenes that were made for IMAX and the aspect ratio of those scenes changed. So those scenes got a little bit taller to fill out the, the IMAX screen. 
so it's kind of cool. You know, I, 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 I noticed it. I, I noticed like the, the, the screen just kind of getting a little taller in a few instances, basically they're during the, the key action sequences of the movie. Um, so uh, just kind of a PSA out there. Um, the IMAX experience is a little different and uh, might be worth checking out if you if you haven't uh, done so. So there's my uh, there's my my uh, fun fact for the day there. <laughs> All right. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, and we're going to continue with more fun facts about Black Widow. Um, as we often do, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and all the in-betweens and rate it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe we can start with that. What was good about this movie? What did you guys like about Black Widow? Hmm. Any thoughts? So uh, the first thing that really comes to mind uh, as far as what really stands out are uh, David Harbour and Florence Pugh and yes. the family <laughs> dynamic that Black Widow brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like I, I also saw it again and I think my favorite scene ended up being the scene where they're in the house and they're all just like standing around the, you know, sitting around the table, like reconnecting and Yelena get gets like real mad and storms away from the table and and the dad go goes off to console her but doesn't really know how and tries to tries to meet with her on her level and they really connect there and I think like like the you know the family actors really brought it and I really loved that dynamic between them yeah that is a great scene and who would have thought that arguably the best scene in the movie is one that has zero action in it you know it's just a family chatting and arguing with each other basically right i totally agree that florence Pugh and david harbour are awesome in this movie and yeah that scene is just like everything right um it's hilarious it's really funny um but it's not just like a comedic scene it it is funny but there are some really important character moments in the scene, right? Where uh, mm. Florence Pugh, who plays Yelena, uh, she just kind of loses it. And you realize that this family, which, you know, seemingly isn't really a family, you know, they, they were fake faking it as a family for three years and then they weren't a family at all, right? Um, you, you know, seemingly... It really, really wasn't a family, but to Yelena, it really was. It really was. And um, as an actor, Florence Pugh just kills it. You really believe her when she says, like, it was real to me. And it's kind of heartbreaking, right? You really feel her pain. Uh, so there's comedy going on. There's emotion. And, like, all the actors, you know, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, David Harbour, Rachel Weisz, like, are just like on top of their game. They were just like in the zone for this scene. Uh, so yeah, I, I can't say enough about this scene also. Um, what else was good? Uh, any any highlights for you, Perfurio? Uh Not so much a highlight, but um, going off what Christian said, I just thought Florence, she was, 
you know, she stole the spotlight from Scarlett Johansson for most of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, even though it was a Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson movie, like, I just felt like it was Florence's movie. Like, <laughs> she had, like, the best one-liners. Her action scenes were great and awesome. And um, I couldn't take my eyes off her character. Like, she was funny. She was badass. She was, um, there was much character development. You got, she just did phenomenal with the role, like, as an actress. She was, she put herself into it. She was able to find that balance of vulnerability, yet still be funny. And, um, yeah, if I, you know, since this is going to be Scarlett Johansson's last take on the Black Widow character, I would be very excited and just welcome Florence with open arms if Marvel decides to move forward with her as the new Black Widow. Like, I would just be like, yes, let's do it. I'm so down for this. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Uh, Florence Pugh was great in this movie. And, uh, you know, I do have to say as a farewell swan song to Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, it was a satisfying movie. You know, I did enjoy it. And, um, you know, I think it was a... Uh, uh, a decent swan song but like you're alluding to Perfirio Florence Pugh really stole the show here you know like mm-hmm. she kind of had the, the better role you know it was a funnier role um, it had it was it was a more emotional character um, but even all that said I, I think Florence Pugh was just had the better performance also. Like she outacted mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson too. Uh, so yeah, she just dominated. Um, yeah, I can't say enough about her. Um, and yeah, like we were saying, David Harbour's great in this movie. So there's that one scene, it was just Elena and Red Guardian uh, in the room together. And the Red Guardian is <laughs> telling this like, crazy story about his dad peeing on his frozen hands and stuff <laughs> and same thing it's like it's hilarious like the, the story's funny the way david harbour plays the character is just completely funny and hilarious um but the undercurrent is this like broken family this this girl who like is just like heartbroken that the 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 happiest moments in her life were like fake and that her her dad who who doesn't even acknowledge that he really is her dad um you know he just he he like he wants to put that behind him you know he he, he just like he he didn't want that to happen he wanted to go on being a superhero again so like the the emotional undercurrent is just like so strong right mm-hmm. so yeah just uh, so good Okay, so I want to add a few things. Um, yeah, so we're talking a lot about like the middle of the movie. The middle of the movie is all this character development, you know, these, these, uh, this broken family kind of like, like reuniting and hashing mm-hmm. up all this old stuff, right? Um, 
and that is great. Like the second act of the movie is great. There's all this great character development. I also thought the first act of the movie was really cool too, because there's a lot of great action moments and um, it's uh, kind of a different style action from what we're used to in the MCU. It's, it's more like spy action. You know, it's action that we're more used to seeing in a Mission Impossible movie or maybe a James Bond movie. Um, definitely not your typical MCU action stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And really well done. You know, I, I was really digging it. Uh, so, um, yeah, I was pretty hyped after the first, like, two-thirds of the movie. Um, and, and again, that second act is great because what so often is the case with movies that, like, hits you with that uh, action opening and, like, a lot of, like, cool, uh, exciting moments early on, typically there's, like, a slowdown, right? And, and yes, things slow down, but um, it didn't get boring. Like, all the, the, the family... Re- reuniting stuff was was great and it, it kept you really engaged so i was like completely on board uh for for quite some time with this movie and you can probably tell what i'm driving at is that the third act of the movie things kind of came apart so um you know we're not gonna you know let go of any of the positives you know right now but maybe we can talk a little bit about this third act and and uh, maybe what went wrong here? <laughs> I don't know. I'm still kind of processing it, but um, there was definitely a change. Like the third act of the movie felt like a different kind of movie. Um, so I don't know. What are, what are your guys' thoughts about the end of the movie? Maybe not the very end, but like, yeah, the last third or so. Let's see. Well... Uh, I think the problem, like, it pretty much starts once they actually get to the Red Room itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Red Room shouldn't have been a floating sky castle. <laughs> I think that, like, you have this really grounded movie about spies um, with, like, very little superpowers. And then, and then you kind of get to something that almost seems like a high fantasy concept, this floating kind of castle in the sky at a at, kind of at a winter soldier that's supposed to be secret um but you also kind of have to think like like shield never found that like at, at any point um they never saw something in the sky yeah <laughs> like just floating because it's pretty massive too yeah <laughs> and um and then like i think uh, like the action does get just I think a little too over the top um, for the character Black Widow she doesn't have any superpowers but you you kind of see her do uh, you kind of see her completely like fly through the air and after the entire building's exploding and she falls you know like what feels like you know a mile town almost but takes like feels like takes no damage after with like no parachute um you see yelena uh blow up a that like jet and she just kind of flies away with no no real damage um scarlett johansson breaks her nose with very little blood and then realigns it with very little blood and i think some liberties 
can always be taken with these kinds of things with with Marvel with just action movies and Marvel movies, of course, as far as what's realistic. But I think this goes uh, just kind of past that point. Um, uh, so and then I think um, uh, the pheromones, <laughs> I think, was a little too silly. Yeah. Um, and so, which which is really too bad. It it kind of like it hurts to say because this movie built up so much goodwill in its first two acts, but it just takes it way too over the top. When like if it just toned it down and kept the spy thriller feel, it would have finished really strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. It's the contrast, right? Like the style of action in the first half was very grounded and it felt like realistic. Um, the second half action was like, it was just kind of ridiculous, you know? Um, and I mentioned how uh, early on the action was more like spy action, um, James Bond type stuff. Um, you could argue that the second half action was, was James Bond type action also, but maybe like not recent Daniel Craig, James Bond, but like going back to the 60s or something, because like that that villain, uh, Drakoff, he definitely felt like like an old yeah. school Bond villain. You know, that whole pheromones thing was very, very like old 60s Bond kind of territory. Right. And uh, yeah, just just kind of silly, kind of silly. Uh, what about you, Preferio? What are your thoughts on the finale to this movie? Yeah, the ending was kind of lacklustering yeah like there was that whole like uh red room in the sky um okay like that i kind of bought i was like okay this kind of makes sense it's marvel doesn't seem over the top or anything and then um yeah the whole like the army of the widows and uh the whole way how the plan was executed about like the red guardian and Florence's character just kind of like being in prison and they were kept out of the plan and stuff. I thought that was brought in some humor to the situation. Um, but I think for me, ultimately, what I wished happened in the end was more action scenes. Um, you know, one character that we have yet to talk about that was introduced was the Taskmaster mm-hmm. and the whole kind of um, final showdown between the Taskmaster and um, Natasha was just a letdown. Like, you know, the Taskmaster in the comics is a very dominant villain. And in the movie, I just felt like, I felt like when he, they, they first introduced the character, it was, it came out very strong and Throughout the movie, it was definitely like a force to be reckoned with. But then at by the end, like it was just kind of like a throwaway of a character. And that was pretty disappointing. And um, you know, like like you said, Christian, there were just so many scenes like um the whole helicopter being blown up or the the pharaoh um smell that was just like okay whatever this happened like let's just take it as it is don't overthink it but uh 
it, it was kind of like that, like, don't overthink it. It happened and happened, this typical <laughs> Marvel. But um, at the same time, like, looking back, it's just like, really, that happened? Like, they could <laughs> they could have done something better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, Preferio. And um, I'm in agreement with a lot of the stuff you guys have mentioned. Um, that all said, uh, the very end, yeah, so... I, I was almost willing to put aside all the shortcomings we mentioned, you know, like this weird shift into over the top action, uh, people falling from the sky for like a very, very long time. Like they just kept falling and falling and falling mm-hmm. and falling. And uh, you're just like, how high up were they anyway? <laughs> and uh, and the, the, the silly pheromones thing and all of that. Um, I would have been kind of okay with all that if, like you were saying, Perfirio, there was like a really satisfying final battle between Black Widow and Taskmaster, right? And um, I thought we were going to get that. Like when they finally hit the ground, Taskmaster and Black Widow face off and Natasha says it. She says, let's go. And in my mind, I was saying, let's go <laughs> you know this is it this is it this, this is it this is like <laughs> the shit i've been waiting for you know and they set it up so well in the first half right the first meeting between natasha and taskmaster is great it's They're epic like, it's on a bridge uh-huh. and um like black widow like she has no idea like what this is um taskmaster busts out other MCU characters moves and weapons you know and, he's got a sh- uh, go ahead Perfirio. I was, I was say, even she's shocked like she like tries to do like her head scissors move on the taskmaster and then the taskmaster like counters with his own head scissors yeah and then they both like jump up and stare at each other and then she's like fuck who the hell's this guy this person you know it is yeah. a badass character introduction right mm-hmm. like he mimics yeah. her but not only does he mimic her but he busts out captain america moves with his shield he's got a sword he's doing like ronin shit with the sword uh he's doing like winter soldier stuff he's doing uh black panther shit in the movie like it is awesome and it is like this is exactly why they introduce the taskmaster into the mcu you get that cinematic experience and you have the backstory of these characters and you can see those moves on the big screen right that's great like the the character in the comics is great but i knew there'd be great potential in in a movie because you can see it you know from uh in in live action right Mm -hmm. so the setup was great and then with that last scene yeah it was just uh cut short like it, it just ended too quickly. Like basically Natasha used that uh, antidote gas pellet to, to like defeat quote unquote, defeat taskmaster, wake her up, whatever you want to call it. Um, but to me, it broke the, the, the essential action movie rule. If you're going to set up this seemingly invincible opponent, our hero has to find a way to defeat this seemingly invincible opponent, right? Through resourcefulness or through a team effort with her teammates. 
or mm-hmm. or something right but they just said oh let's just end the movie you know bust out this 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 gas pellet and the and the fight is over and i was like what the fuck man like what happened like i wanted to see i wanted to know like i wanted to know how can you how can you be a villain like this a villain who can mimic your every move and has this whole backlog uh catalog of moves that he's like seen other superheroes use right how, how do you defeat how do you defeat that right mm-hmm. i want to know i want to see it and i didn't get to see it so that kind of sucked yeah no i feel question. like the, i feel like the best way to describe it is just like it's like a batman versus superman showdown <laughs> and then batman gets pulls out a gun with kryptonite bullets and shoots superman in the head and it's like really like that's it you nailed it that, that's it right there man yeah you nailed it right because in a batman versus superman fight you want to know how is batman going to figure out a way a resourceful way not like a cop-out way with like a kryptonite bullet right yeah um but yeah <laughs> that's exactly it like what she did was the equivalent of a kryptonite bullet and it's just it's yeah. just not good enough man it's not good enough uh-huh uh christian christian what do you think of the villain taskmaster um yeah i think i'm i'm definitely with you guys there that taskmaster was ended up being a big disappointment um i've been going back and forth on on what i think about the big twist on taskmaster um that the taskmaster's a female like that uh, yeah that it's the like a, um drake's daughter Mm-hmm. that yeah, Natasha yeah. thought she killed in the mm-hmm. you know at the in Budapest all those years ago uh-huh. um because it was different I don't I guess I don't really know Taskmaster's backstory too well from the comics um mm-hmm. he's kind of you know he's a character that I've seen every so often um I think uh what I've seen online is a lot of people kind of see it kind of like the Mandarin twist from Iron Man 3 I can see that yeah I've heard a lot of similar vibes um, but, um, I also think on the other hand that it does, it does kind of help, uh, develop, you know, Natasha's character a bit. It, it gives her a bit of a redemption arc, like a final redemption for what she's, what she's done in the past and how, um, her mission in Budapest ended up being more of a half measure than a full end to the Black Widow program. Mm-hmm. Whereas now she can really like close the book on it, and so I think you know coming back to the movie a second time, I did I did kind of come around to that idea. Even though in the beginning I, I I may have been a little more on board with the you know that the Mandarin idea, you know, or with with Taskmaster being something like that. Um, but I do agree that the the fight between the two was very short and disappointing. Um, I, the other big fight I thought was cut way too short uh with taskmaster was the one with her and red guardian yeah where you finally get to see red guardian fight yeah there's all this talk with yeah. Red guardian being like i fought captain america and everything blah blah, blah mm. which we kind of know i don't feel like it's true but <laughs> i feel like that's like for me when that was happening i was like oh yes we're finally gonna see red guardian in action yeah and that was Ended really horribly. <laughs> yeah, like it felt like there just wasn't enough of time. Like even if Red Guardian just completely gets his ass kicked, yeah, like I would have been okay with that if we got to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, we keep harping on this final Black Widow versus Taskmaster battle. But yeah, all the action in the third act is just lackluster. You know, th- there's a there's a fight between Black Widow and the Widows, right? That that could have been pretty epic also, but that, that was just kind of done sloppily also. You know, all that action was just kind of all over the place at the end. And um, I, I'm still like shaking my head. I, I don't know what happened because the first half action was so tight and, and just really engaging. So yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. Uh, a mm-hmm. lot of sloppiness, a lot of sloppiness there. Um, but hey, going back to Taskmaster real quick. Um, yeah, I-, I asked myself a lot of these same questions. Like, okay, uh, number one, uh, the the gender swap. Taskmaster is a woman in this movie, um, in a in a big twist. I don't I don't think anyone foresaw this twist right oh my god yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) my face i don't know christian i don't know if you saw my face in the theater i was just like (laughs) (laughs) but it was one of those twists that yes was surprising but wasn't like oh my god that's amazing it was kind of like one of these really kind of uh moments you know not that i was like against it but it was just kind of weird um ultimately i don't think i had a problem with that um just kind of like i didn't have a big problem with the uh the taskmaster power set like okay so here's where we talk about like the faithfulness of the movie compared to the source material as we often do right uh here you know the mcu quite often is very faithful to its comics right but um not here um in the comics, Taskmaster has this like innate ability to mimic. He can see something once and be be an expert at that right away, right? And Taskmaster does have that ability here, but it's not inborn. It's like programmed, right? It's um, this uh, Drakoff dude's technology. It's like a mm-hmm. technological uh, trait, Right. It's like in the suit or in like some sort of chip in the back of Taskmaster's head or something. Um, but it is different. It is different. Um, so I, it, it, it's a technological thing. I was OK with that. It makes sense. You know, like I feel like the comics version was just like that. That's it. Comic comics. But it made sense to do it like that for a modern realistic take too. that. It was technology that helped the taskmaster learned the moves yeah i agree with you i I was okay with it also like i had to first like think about it like this is different but yeah ultimately Mm -hmm. i think i was okay with it a a lot of the stuff in the mcu um to avoid being too ridiculous they do Mm -hmm. rely on technology like uh like the vulture in spider-man homecoming is like this technological terror right it's not a Mm -hmm. it's not a dude in a bird suit with feathers right uh it just wouldn't work in a live action movie right so like that movie taskmaster is like a technological terror so i I get that um so ultimately yeah i didn't have too many problems with the the character setup um it, it was just more how the action played out like we've been talking about like yeah. i said like if i if i got that dope action showdown at the end that i wanted 
a lot would have been forgiven, but I just didn't get that. So it's just really too bad. I, I, I agree with you. I think for me, because I'm a person who's been saying for years, I've been waiting for to see the Taskmaster show up in the MCU. Um, you know, the whole shocking twist. Like, I really didn't care the Taskmaster ended up being a female. Like, I was like, okay, that, that was a shocking twist, sure. But I didn't care. I was just more disappointed that I felt like the Taskmaster felt more like a tool, a pawn yeah. within this movie instead of like the badass I know the character can be. Like, I felt like if maybe the Taskmaster had like a personal agenda against Natasha, like the daughter survived and then she wanted to get revenge against Natasha and we're just kind of using her dad to... Uh, to get all this technology and everything, then had um, having her own personal vendetta against Natasha versus being a pawn. I think I would have bought into that storyline a little more. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, to just kind of be the whole twist that she was, she's mindless and she doesn't know what she's doing. I think you know, at one point she says, uh, "Kill me" or something like that, or. I don't want to do this. I don't know. Something like that. You yeah. guys watched it a second time. I forgot. <laughs> but um, I was just like, oh, man, like this just you kind of de- downgraded the character in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, here, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, dude, I was I was brainstorming before the movie started. Like, OK, how are they going to beat Taskmaster? You know, I was, <laughs> I was that excited about like how are they going to figure this out? You know, I yeah. thought, okay, maybe they work as a team, you know, all uh, four of them, maybe all four of them work together. And, you know, Taskmaster is, it, it does this great mimicry, what they call a uh, photographic reflexes. One of the cooler superpowers out there, man. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe as a team, you know, the same way the Avengers uh, overcame Thanos, a superior opponent. But uh, if you work together, uh, the sum of your parts is greater than the whole, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe as a team or maybe some other cool shit, like um, I think this may have touch- been touched upon in the comics, but um, you could use like a fighting style that Taskmaster has never seen before. So if you hit him with something uh, he's never seen, then that can be effective because all he needs is to see it once and he's a master. But if he's seen it zero times, then 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 the all bets are off right yeah the the other wild card i thought was red guardian because here's a guy who doesn't have a lot of skill but he's got super strength right so there's no mimicking super strength you're either super strong or you're not right so i thought when red guardian taskmaster went at it i thought oh shit maybe the taskmaster finale will be with red guardian and he will be the one to defeat taskmaster but like we've been saying like we've been saying, that didn't happen. And also that action scene was, was kind of weak also. So that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, really fast, on an unrelated note, didn't we see this kind of technology already in the MCU? Like that showdown between Captain America and Iron Man in Civil War? Ooh, like yeah, that's right. At the, at the very end, like Iron Man tells um, Friday, like, copy his moves. And then like, she totally like analyzes Captain America's moves, and then like, uh, and then when like all of a sudden Cap tries punching Iron Man, then Iron Man stops, and then she's like, "Oh fuck!" And then Iron Man's like, "Let's 
get him back. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great call out. Yeah. I guess arguably it's a little different in that uh, looks like Stark used like some sort of predictive technology, like based mm-hmm. on Cap's previous moves, he could have his armor predict his next moves. Whereas with Taskmaster, uh, yes, there's a predictive quality he, he can mimic, but there's also that like learning other people's yeah. styles and movements also. Right. So a little different, but yeah, definitely similar. And maybe this might be a stretch, but uh, there is that Armor Wars series coming out eventually on Disney Plus, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the Armor Wars comic series was about stolen technology, right? Maybe Stark's technology was stolen and sold to uh, Drakoff at some point in the timeline. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never, you never know. We're never making know. the call here, folks. <laughs> sold All by... Right. Uh, Mysterio. <laughs> there you go. Before Spider-Man: Far From Home. You it's all connected, it man. It's, it's all connected. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, Christian, like, what? Really quick, what are your thoughts on the whole twist with the Taskmaster? Um, it's something I've come around to to liking. I think, um, like I said, it like it's good for you know, it's good for Natasha's character. It does kind of help complete her arc. Um. Also, like something that like came to mind. I was I was talking to Henry on the drive home, so I think the idea like of Natasha killing a kid, killing a kid, which they actually show in the movie, you know, in the movie of the building blowing up, it's pretty hardcore. Like that's pretty hard <laughs> R stuff right there. Um, and so, like, it's kind of so I'm thinking. I don't. Th- I think I don't know how much the two are related, but I think that w- that could be the only way they could show something like that, and still keep the rating PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, in in the time the first time seeing the movie, I I I didn't really make the two connections there, and so the twist still worked, but there was still that kind of like lead up to it with that. Um, but um. I think, like, you know, I have come around, you know, liking the twist itself, even though there was a lot of other aspects that we dis- that we discussed of the Taskmaster that were very underwhelming. Um, I guess another part that we, we didn't talk about yet, and that's kind of small, you know, kind of small, but what do you think of the Taskmaster costume? Because I thought it looked like a Power Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it was... It was. I'm okay with it. Like I said, like Marvel's known for having like tech-based costumes for like their villains or heroes, rather than like that comic-y kind of costume. So I was like, eh, okay, makes sense. I wasn't the most like this is awesome kind of hype, but I was like, eh, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty cool looking. Um, it's funny, after you mentioned how it was kind of Power Ranger-esque, <laughs> upon second viewing, I, I kind of, you know, paid closer attention to it. And yeah, there, there was a Power Rangers quality to it, definitely. Um, and yeah, it seemed like maybe it was a little bit more over the top than it needed to be. Like, if they have this uh, invincible killing machine 
why like kind of dress it up you know why not just have it all in black or wearing camouflage or something you know so it seemed maybe unnecessary to add like orange highlights to the suit <laughs> um and and uh, you know come on the, the skull face is is cool um but it makes you wonder like why the skull face so i guess maybe like as an intimidation factor mm-hmm. um ultimately i think that's why the suit looks the way it looks to be intimidating right i, I kind of had these thoughts on my head like okay why does it have a skull face why does it have a man's body you know there's a woman you know in the suit why does it have a man's body you know i i think it all comes down to like intimidation factor um they want an imposing figure if you see like a skull face on like a muscular looking body and it's mostly dark um then yeah it's an intimidating look and you know sure enough when natasha first sees it like she's kind of like oh what the hell what is this you know um so yeah i think ultimately i I was i was cool with the, the costuming Mm-hmm. but yeah i like this now i think it's kind of freeform like i definitely had questions pop up in my head uh do you guys have any just questions to pose to the group here anything pop into your head while you're watching it or or even later hmm. oh i have a question okay. so how do you think natasha got away from um ross at the end <laughs> Right, you I thought that see was, that. Yeah, I, was, I thought that was kind of a weird part where <laughs> you see Shield drive up in all the cars, and then it's just like quick cut, and then oh, she's free. So she has her waist. <laughs> she has her waist. It's Natasha. <laughs> I, I like your your answer, Perfio, because um, you know we we know this character pretty well now. We we know her for like. Uh, over 10 years now right um and she has her ways exactly that's it right you know that she can find a way out she's she's the black widow yeah like even like the opening scene when she's like surrounded by ross's agents she's even like are you sure you want to do this are you sure you want to do this like this is gonna make you look really bad right now it's gonna embarrass the fuck out of you (laughs) and then cut to the next scene like she's like totally like thousands of miles away like totally like relaxed on a boat and everything and it's just like how did she know it's just like she's the black widow she has her waist (laughs) yeah that's true they almost set up her escape at the end with the beginning scene you know like Mm -hmm. okay like they were completely off the mark there so she's the one in control and um yeah she's she's gonna find a way out that that's that's not a problem for her mm-hmm. now my question um similarly was around that time at the very end of the movie um i was really curious about how you know the gap was filled like so so this movie took place between civil war and infinity war right mm-hmm. uh so there's a kind of a nice segue from Civil War into this movie where Ross is going after her. They even said like she assaulted the king of Wakanda. We all know what he's referring to, right? So mm-hmm. she 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 uses her stingers on T'Challa mm-hmm. in Civil War. Yes. And and from that moment we know that she is on the Sokovia Accords shit list 
and uh, they're they're going to want to get her right. And and you know that at the beginning of Infinity Infinity War, she's with Cap and Falcon, right? Seemingly like this uh, rogue group of superheroes, like working in the shadows, right? Um, so what I wanted to know is how she got there, right? So we know the Civil War to Black Widow movie segue, but what about the Black Widow to Infinity yeah, War segue? Mm-hmm. We didn't get that, right? All we got was that vest. And the vest thing was kind of cool and funny, but I really wanted to know, like, how did she end up with Rogers and Wilson, you know? And um, I thought we would get something of a bridging of that at the end mm-hmm. of the Black Widow movie, but we really didn't, right? Instead, we got this. So at the very end, she gets the the jet from her homie, right? Um, and she has an interesting line. She says, I'm going to go break some friends out of jail now, Yeah, right? So clearly she's referring to the raft and she's referring to the end of Civil War where, you know, Sam Wilson and... Scott Lang and Wanda and Clint Barton are in prison, right? But at the end of Civil War, we see Steve Rogers show up, right? We see uh, Sam Wilson crack a smile like, okay, (laughs) we're out of here, you know? So seemingly, like, he, at at the very least, Cap freed Falcon. He probably freed them all, right? so it's just seemed odd to me that Black Widow would say that, you know, seemingly like, OK, she didn't know that Rogers went back to the raft and she was going to go break him out of jail. But why even have that line in the first place if she doesn't end up doing that? I don't know. What were your guys' thoughts about that? OK, like going back and rethinking about all those characters and my knowledge of what happens in Fantasy War. This is my long take. So somewhere in between Civil War and Infinity War, Hawkeye and Ant-Man get a deal. Because at the beginning of Endgame, you see that the snap happens when Hawkeye's with his family. So he's outside the raft. He's probably like on house arrest. Scott playing also, he's probably on house arrest, you know? Um, yeah, there's a line where they say that they're like retired or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they they, uh-huh. they say that. That's true. Yeah. So then so then by that point then then that the only people that Natasha really has to get out is Falcon and Wanda. But yeah. it makes more sense for Scarlet to go after Steve Rogers and then go and um break out Falcon and Wanda. Oh, so you're saying the very end of Civil War happens after the Black Widow movie? When no, we no. see... No, no. Go ahead. No, I'm saying like at the very end of Black Widow that, yeah, like Black Widow says like she's going to go take some people, out, some friends out of the raft. Yeah. I feel like she... Because she already knows that Steve Rogers is on the run. I feel like she goes and meets up with him somewhere in between and then they both go together to try to get everybody out of the raft but by then it's only falcon and wanda left inside the raft and they they break them out because that's who 
ultimately they're wished together by like mid infinity war that is a very solid explanation i dig that and it, it does go along with what i was about to say that the very end of civil war then happened after the events of black widow because at the, remember at the very end you see Steve rogers show up and falcon sees him and he smiles Oh, so, you're right. You're right. right. So, you're right. so maybe uh-huh. Natasha was like right behind Steve. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty solid explanation. Uh, uh-huh. I'll, I'll buy it. <laughs> right. Christian. Yeah, I could, I could believe that. Um, <laughs> I, d- I definitely go with that. Uh, you could also have like um, maybe Black Widow wasn't in the room. She gave Captain America the earpiece. You know, like uh, there was the prison break in the middle of Black Widow. And Black Widow was really like with the getaway vehicle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So something yeah. like that could have could have happened. Um, but yeah, uh, like I, th- I think you're also right. Where there's like a bit of a time skip between Captain America: Civil War and that that end credit sequence. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Oh man, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I'm glad uh, you explained that, Preferio. Solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. To go off of that, like one thing I kind of you maybe think about for fear is like, you know, uh, I wonder if, you know, Captain America gave them the chance to break out, maybe Cliff and, you know, Ant-Man. And they just said, no, we, we would we're going to take the deal and just go on house arrest and just yeah. get left alone. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It, it makes more sense for them just because they're more like family oriented. Yeah. yeah, they got family. That's important. Uh-huh. But I don't know, because I mean, like in Falcon and Winter Soldier, you are introduced to Falcon's family, and you even oh, get yeah. that family. You even kind of get that family dynamic oh, with true. with the sister saying, "Like you kind of left us here, mm-hmm. you didn't yeah. come back for us." So I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Falcon's heart was just like, "I need to help Cap." You know, he needs me more. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's just how loyal he is. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, I did have another question. You were so great at answering that last one, Preferio. Maybe, <laughs> maybe get over this. So this one bugged me a little bit too, where uh, the Red Guardian makes a lot of references to Captain America in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny, you know. There's a lot of funny moments with these. Um, but I am racking my brain in terms of how and when. More importantly, when did the Red Guardian interact with Captain America? So in uh, prison, when Red Guardian was in prison, yeah, yeah, he was telling all these stories about like him defeating Captain America, or maybe not so much yeah. defeating, but you know, him like Crossing battle- battling, him. right? Yeah. And um, then one of the one of the, the prisoners was like, Oh, you know, when when did this happen? And he's like, Oh, you know, it's like in the 80s or something and then the guy was like well captain america was in ice during the 80s right and then he freaking like breaks his wrist right um so that was funny and it and it 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 kind of proved that red guardian was lying through his teeth right yeah but then later there's a scene where he asks natasha like oh did, did he ever talk about me you know like referring to steve rogers right and then Natasha's like, oh, we're really going to do this? You know, you're going to talk about 
yourself and Captain America and after, you know, you're not going to talk about us at all, you know? Um, but that got me thinking like, so clearly like they met to what extent we don't know, but they, they, they interacted, they met something happened, but when the hell did that happen? Right? Because Captain America didn't come out of the ice until like right before the first Avengers movie. Right. Mm -hmm. So like 2011, so when would he have like interact with when would he have interacted with the Red Guardian? Christian, you want to you want to take it? Hmm. Like, I think like I think he was probably lying the whole time. Um, and if he did end up meeting Captain America, um I think it could be, I guess, one of two things is is what I'm thinking. Um, and the first one could be that uh, he's actually just been alive since the 40s and that he, he's in a situation kind of similar to Bucky um, mm -hmm. where something about his, you know, something about the Red Guardian is able, he's able to just age, age much, much slower. Um, I forget how it was, what they did with the Winter Soldier. Um, but that's my thought is just something like that. The other is that he just fought it. He fought a different version of Captain America at some point. Um, kind of like in the comics, you know, there's several different Captain Americas between the time that, you know, Steve Rogers is frozen and when he wakes up. Um, and there's different people who carry the shield and carry on the name and they don't really, I don't think they really bring that up uh, in the Captain America movies too much. Um, but it could be something like that. Like they did kind of use that idea in Falcon, the winter soldier. So that's, that's my other thought. But I, I think first and foremost, he's probably just lying. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my first take. I, I agree. I think he, one, he's lying. Like, and he's just, he's just said the lie so many times that he's just told himself that it's true and he actually believes it. So that's why he confronts Natasha because he believes in this lie that he told himself. Um, but if there's that, like, yeah, that whole situation that if he's telling the truth, um, one, I don't think he would have, like you said, Christian, I don't think he would have interacted with Steve Rogers per se, just because Steve Rogers been under the ice since the forties or since World War Two, right? Yeah, World War Two. Mm -hmm. And then you know there wasn't that whole like U.S. versus Russia dynamic to the Cold War, which was like years later. So, like that's there's just no reason for Red Guardian to have crossed paths with. Captain America 80 years beforehand. Um, so I just think like, like yeah, like in Falcon and Winter Soldier, how they were trying to replicate the the superhero so, um, soldier serum that maybe Red Guardian just like interacted with a whole nother Captain America like um, that maybe we hadn't seen yet in the MCU. But those are my best two guesses. Yeah, this is a tough one. Like, in my mind, the theory that holds the most weight is that the Red Guardian is a super soldier and he ages 
slowly. So conceivably, he could have been around in his prime during World War II. And certainly he could have crossed paths with Steve Rogers on the battlefield or, you know, just during wartime. You know, the, the sh I could totally see that. But what you're saying, Perfirio, makes a lot of sense. Uh, it was uh, the Axis versus the Allies in World War II. So mm -hmm. uh, the Red Guardian and Captain America would not be opponents, right? It, it seemed like he was talking about them as being uh, opponents on the battlefield, right? Mm -hmm. So there, again, is kind of a, a hole in, in the theory so yeah I'm not, I'm not sure that this might this one might we might have to write off as a, as a <laughs> plot hole here so um, I, i'm getting super nitpicky because ultimately you know the the red guardian stuff was hilarious in this movie but um the the all the captain america talk kind of uh, threw me for a loop uh, a bit yeah. so there is that okay so we can start getting to wrap up time. Um, Wait, any can... any uh, final thoughts before we throw up our ratings? Yeah, like so. Like one thing I feel like we should like get out of the way before we wrap up is the whole like female issues like that was talked about within the film. You know, there's the yeah. whole <laughs> idea, but like like. Even though it's a Marvel film, this film was very deep and dark. <laughs> like, like it tackled issues on sterilization, um, uh, human trafficking, um, trauma that you know Florence's character developed with you know with her family and stuff like that. Like, there was just so many. Like, you know, I hate man's escape mansplaining these things but like there's just a lot of feminist uh issues and themes that were really just talked about in this film and definitely, definitely. I, I just i just thought it was presented at a really really good like deep way that wasn't so like in your face kind of kind of way what, what do you guys think um, so I think like one part that shows it really well um, is that like kind of opening title crawl sequence, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which I haven't seen in a Marvel movie in I don't even remember how long. Yeah. Um, where they kind of show like kind of the training of the Black Widows and like how they're kind of they're trafficked around. And I mm -hmm. like I think that's a good way to really bring you into like kind of like like the world and kind of what they experience and the trauma that they experience in the beginning of the movie. I wasn't a fan of the smells like teen spirit cover, but <laughs> I thought like, you know, it, it did its job. And, and like that part was really, it was like, was like pretty great. Like pr pretty harrowing, harrowing to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought it was cool how it was a feminist movie, but it was kind of darkly feminist, right? Very different from the Captain Marvel movie. You know, like that was like the first female MCU movie 
And um, a lot of people were saying, oh, Black Widow should have been the first one, right? So we're finally getting this. And um, it would have been pretty weak if it had the same look and feel as Captain Marvel. But it didn't. It was so different. You know, this is one of the most violent MCU movies out there. And um, it's dark. Yeah, it goes into some dark places. The human trafficking aspect is uh, it's it's like some real shit for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was Michelle. She sent me an article saying that like um, one of the writers for the movie, you know, he's a male. He wanted to remember that scene where they bust out Red Guardian and he's in a helicopter and he tries to interact with them. And then he's like, what are you guys like, on your period or something? It's like your time of the month. I, I guess, you know, that was a joke written in by the a male writer and the director. She wanted to like right away get rid of it. But then her and Scarlett Johansson and Florence actually met up to kind of like, um, to uh, address that that miss 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 the sexist um, joke, and ended up being like a kind of a, a learning lesson per se about like the whole like sterilization and how that's a real issue and everything. Yeah, cool too that it ties back right because Black Widow even brought this up way back in like yeah, Age of Ultron, Ultron. right? So yeah. it's it's like it, it it's it stays like within the the MCU storylines, right? So yeah, that's cool to hear. I dig it. Mm -hmm. So um, I definitely wanted to bring up also uh, some other stuff. Like you know, we kind of got into some of the negativity in the third act of the movie, but um, you know, going back to highlights. I thought it was really cool how, you know, even though Yelena kind of stole the show on this movie, we really did get to see Natasha at her best. And we got to see what she's great at, you know, mm -hmm. through throughout through the years, we've seen what the Black Widow can do. Yes, she's a great fighter. She's great with guns. She's great with hand-to-hand -hand combat but what she's really great at i think above anything else is two things one is deception and the other is manipulation and she uses both of these magnificently in this movie so in that first battle with taskmaster which you know we've commented on how great it is um she is like out of her depth here right she cannot beat taskmaster in a straight-up fight um but what does she find out she discovers the taskmaster's objective it isn't to kill her it's to get those vials right um so she kind of uses that against the taskmaster and does a little switcheroo deception yeah. right so she tricks the taskmaster and she gets out of the situation so that that is like like a, a huge trait to, to the Black Widow and and for her for us not to be able to see that in this movie would have been a big letdown but we got to see that like on display which is great and then manipulation that was great too you know the way she's able to extract information out of Drakov at the end was great you know she didn't 
she, she couldn't fight him because of this uh, pheromone thing, right? Uh, so she uses her ability to manipulate to get what she needs, this information about the, the whereabouts of all the widows throughout the world, right? Um, and it's exactly um, that a callback to where she extract, extracts information from Loki in mm -hmm. the first Avengers movie, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. again, really cool to see. Um, and, you know, shortcomings aside, this movie delivered a lot of what we wanted out of a Black Widow movie. You got to see Black Widow do all the things that, you know, she is known for. And uh, and that alone was pretty damn satisfying. Got to say. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I have like my next question is kind of like a like two part question. Um, one, like. Do you like what do you think of the legacy character Black Widow? Like, we like she's one of the oldest characters within the MCU, besides Tony Stark and Steve Rogers. Like, like yeah, she's been around since Iron Man two. Like that was like ten years ago. Um, like yeah, what do you think of Black Widow versus when she first came to now? And the second part to the question is, is this a proper send off to the character? I think um, something, uh, I guess another thing I guess we didn't bring up that I have a pro. I guess I have a bit of a problem with this movie is that like, I think it came too late. I think it does work as a good send off. Um, but I think I would have preferred this come canonically within mm -hmm. phase three. Mm -hmm. And I also think like, see, like seeing this movie kind of make, does make me want to see more of Black Widow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a bit retroactively with man i wish she got a movie in phase one like man i really wish i think it would have been really cool to see this budapest mission that she talks about through the movie and it seems really cool how she like um had to assassinate this this guy and like hit out for several days and there was like this camaraderie between her and hawkeye um and like i would have loved to see that movie back in phase one i think black widow is like this really great character that's really kind of supported the like supported the Avengers through all these movies, and it was really great to finally see her get her own. Mm -hmm. but man, I wish we got it sooner. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a really good point, Christian. I totally agree. Yeah, I was thinking something along those lines. It would have been a lot cooler to see this movie come out earlier. Specifically, I think it would have been cooler if it came out during the time period it takes place in, <laughs> like, let's say 2017, right in between Civil War and Infinity War. That would have been perfect. You know, mm -hmm. the, the way it is now, it uh, becomes more of a prequel, which doesn't sit all that well. At this point, the Black Widow character has died. A lot of people saw her die. Like a lot of fucking people saw Endgame, so this is not a secret, you know. Uh, so you know she's dead. So there, there's this kind of this sort of dark, uh, like cloud over this movie. Um, so there's that, um, and and there's a fact that it is kind of a prequel 
kind of like how Captain Marvel was a prequel also. Like both movies take place earlier in the time plane, uh, timeline uh, compared to when the movie released, right? So it's just kind of unfortunate. Like I feel like, okay, finally the MCU is rolling out these female-led movies, but you just get this feeling that they're setting up other people's movies, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're going back in time. We're going to do a prequel. So, oh, it's going to be that more satisfying when you watch Infinity War, knowing that this stuff happened right before or with uh, uh, the Captain Marvel movie. Like, okay, um, we're going to set up that moment when Captain Marvel appears at the end of Endgame um so so you have some backstory right but ultimately you're kind of serving uh the later movie right so um you know a lot has has been talked about in terms of women and people of color in shows and movies where their characters are uh they're simply acting as character development for white male characters yeah right Mm -hmm. um so there's like there's a a little bit of that you know like ultimately like i think this movie like you've been saying perfirio is kind of a home run for female empowerment and females in front of the screen and behind the screen um but still there's that that little sense of man why has it got to be a prequel why can't a female-led superhero movie move the narrative ahead for the mcu why can't they kind of lead the charge right i still feel like maybe we've yet to see that in in a sad way right so yeah there there are some shortcomings there Uh and you know this kind of both of you guys like make really good points and that kind of leads off to my last question that i have is what impact you think this movie will have for the future of the mcu like given like the end the after credit scene with um florence's character and um madame hydra yeah i think uh it's unfortunate that this movie is primarily a prequel slash filler kind of movie like yeah um christian and i had a pretty good conversation on the drive back home to the east bay Uh, but i mentioned this then that uh this movie felt less like a moving forward of the marvel cinematic universe than it was just kind of feeling a void right there's this void everyone was talking about there needs to be a black widow movie and they made the movie. So, okay, everyone shut up. We made the Black Widow movie now, and we know what happens between Civil War and Infinity War. Now, please shut up now. Right? But there was very little, like, setting up, moving forward the universe. Um, the one exception is what you're talking about, Perverio, the post credit scene, right, mm-hmm. where uh, we're brought back to quote unquote real time, right? We're we're in the post endgame period. Natasha Romanoff has died. Yelena is visiting her grave. And then Val from the Falcon and the Winter Soldier shows up. And it's clear that Yelena is working for Val. 
And it seems pretty clear that Val is putting together a team. Who is on the team? Exactly. We don't know, but we do know that she's recruited John Walker, the U.S. agent, and Yelena, right? Uh, so, shoot, there's a lot of potential right there. There's definitely uh, more to come on that front. Uh, so even though it's just like one thing that we're, we're kind of teasing for the future, it is pretty interesting, pretty enticing, for yeah. sure. Like, I wonder if that will come to a head more in the Disney Plus side of the MCU as opposed to the movies. I could see that. Because we yeah. have, yeah, like you were talking about with John Walker and all that. And they showed a picture of Hawkeye, which we know Hawkeye is getting a Disney Plus series. Yep. And um, whereas I think uh, moving forward with the movie side... It seems to be you have Doctor Strange. Of course, Spider-Man is a much more grounded hero, um, but there's all these rumors about a, a big Spider-Verse with that. And then you have like Guardians, the Marvel family, like um, or the Marvels. Um, yes. Yeah. And so on and so forth, which are like in space or like you know on on a much like more multi-dimensional scale as we're mm -hmm. seeing. So I wonder if there's going to be kind of the your, your like Dark Avengers team or secret kind of underground team starting to form for the Disney Plus, kind of like the way they did the Defenders in a, mm -hmm. for the Netflix series. Like if street level. Um, yeah, heroes. exactly. That's kind of where they're going to go with the street level heroes is something mm -hmm. like that, which might come to a head in maybe Armor Wars. I can see that. Coming up. Yeah, I could see that. Although it is hard to say because it seems like TV and movies are just kind of melding all together. You know, like it'd be one thing if it was like, you know, on TV, it was like Loki and WandaVision and Doctor Strange. And in the movies, it was Black Widow and Falcon and Winter Soldier and Shang-Chi, right? But it's not that, right? It's sort of like, it's overlapping yeah, a lot. You know, there's a Shang-Chi movie, but there's a Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show. Black Widow's in the movies, but then there's Loki on TV. And then there's a Doctor Strange movie in the movies, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's all kind of overlapping. Um, the... Uh, the 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 Val team does seem like more of a TV kind of thing. I do agree. Um, you mentioned Dark Avengers, Christian. Uh, another theory is that it's the Thunderbolts she's assembling. Um, we shall see how it shakes out, but um, that does seem like more of a a TV kind of territory thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, so let's get to our ratings. Out of five, what would you give the Black Widow movie? You want to start, Perfurio? Sure. So, like a four. Yeah, pretty much. I, I really don't have to think hard about this. Like, it is almost a five if it hasn't, if it wasn't for like the third act, like we've been saying, uh, it wasn't that good. But, Everything else I enjoyed. It was a really good origin slash prequel, prequel movie. Um, 
I thought it was a good movie to send off Scarlett Johansson and she kind of deserved that justice. Um, good action, good character, really good character development, perfect balance of um, deep and personal and comedy. I enjoyed it, except that third act about like the twist of Taskmaster and the whole action scenes and all the editing. Um, I was not the biggest fan, so four out of five. Okay, how about you, Christian? Man, I'm kind of tor- I'm kind of torn on this because I think there's a lot of things that I do really like about this movie. I think um, the ideas about the kind of like the darker more real world themes family dynamic and like kind of some of the 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 bit of the spy setup in the beginning i think that worked like really really well but man i'm i feel like for every good thing good to great thing that this movie sets up i think it it kind of takes a step back i think that like i really like i really wanted to like love this movie because it's it's a movie that i've been waiting for for you know since phase one you know (laughs) yeah and i like i really wanted this character to have her day and she is having her day this movie's doing really well and a lot of people really do love it and i'm happy i'm happy but i think i'll give it the harsh rating i think i'll give it a two (gasps) yeah i I like i did like it like and i think that like um, I had a good time in the movies. I do recommend watching it. And I do recommend seeing it for yourself. But I think it, it just kind of it just really falls apart at the end, to a point where I think it just kind of like and like really coming back to this movie, it just really bothered me the second time and and just really made me frustrated that like like man, why did they why did it fumble this hard? Yeah, when it had such a great you know, first couple acts and just for like some really like well done scenes. So yeah. who knows? Maybe I might come back and give it a three, but I think for now I'll give it the harsh rating of a two, maybe a 2.5, you know, I did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bigger twist than the taskmaster. Gender reveal. <laughs> uh, but understood. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a three, three out of five. And uh, the reasoning is, right up the alley of what you're saying, Christian. Um, the, the movie just went off the rails at the end, you know? Um, you know, a lot of people say it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So the fact that the ending sucked really stung, right? If it had a slow, boring middle, but then finished strong, I, I would have been... I would have been a lot more okay with that, you know, but the fact that it was the ending that was the lacking portion, Ooh, like that, that you felt it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just didn't leave like a good taste in my mouth. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go with a three. Like it, I was on my way to a four, you know, like this is like solid. And uh, it, you know, it, it, like we've continually been saying it just kind of, falls apart at the end um and but like i like to do i I don't want to end on such doom and gloom so i I wanted to say one last positive and we've talked a lot about the family dynamic and particularly that uh the scene with the four of them 
at the, the dining table in the middle of the movie. I wanted to add an earlier scene with just Natasha and Yelena. They're just like having a beer together. And it's the moment when they decide to work together to try to uh, take down Drakov, right? And it is such a real moment, you know, like it just felt like two sisters chatting and and coming to a decision to do something. And they were just kind of like, I think it's going to be fun. Let's let's do it. You know, they just like, you know, clink their beers together and and you just get the sense like, OK, this is it's going to be a fun ride. And um it just really highlights the the chemistry between the two actors. Yeah, we've talked about how great Florence Pugh is and, um, you know, Scarlett Johansson has her moments also. Um, but maybe more significantly than either single individual performance is the chemistry between the two because they are great together. You know, like a lot has been talked about with Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie and uh, how funny they are together in movies and TV. Like these two are like, are just as good together. They are hilarious and they play off each other really well. And uh, you really feel that sisterhood, right? Uh, so um, that's great. You feel the bond and um, like you don't get that a lot. Like, um, yes, Captain Marvel was a, female centric movie um, but uh, it was more of like a solo journey um, but here you get the the duo right and uh, that was pretty awesome to see they're great together and you know you don't see that too often you know usually it's like two dudes right yeah. the buddy cop genre right uh, but uh, yeah that was very refreshing and uh, definitely part of the reason why I do recommend this movie, uh, not a high recommendation, but uh, three out of five for me. All right. Uh, so I think that's about it. Any final thoughts on oh, Black I guess, Widow? I guess I, um, yeah, since you were bringing up just like ending on a scene that you really liked, um, I guess another scene that we didn't bring up that I also really liked was the. Uh, the poser scene. I thought I thought that was really funny. Oh yeah, I thought that was a nice little bit, uh, like a nice little good Marvel banter, nice little comedic touch. And then you see you see Elena do the pose after, and like kind of cringe after she yeah. does it. <laughs> yeah, I thought that which was a, a I, which is really moment. hard to do. I really tried doing it <laughs> as soon as I was home. I was like, I want to see how this feels. And that yeah. was really hard, it's hard to do. <laughs> it's really hard to do. On the record, Perferio, you tried to do the move. after. You I, tried, I tried to do the pose, yeah. After I saw <laughs> the your hair back and everything. <laughs> yeah, and it was just, it was fucking hard. So props <laughs> to that for yeah. Scarlett Johansson and Florence for doing it. <laughs> awesome. I do hope we get to see more of those characters, like... Even though we can't see Black Widow herself, I do hope we get to see a lot more Florence and a lot more of David Harbour. And even yes. Weiss, I could yeah, definitely yeah. see her again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, clearly, Yelena will be back. Uh, the rest of the crew, we'll see. The MCU does have a knack for bringing back characters, even very obscure ones. So keep an eye out. 
in the most unlikely events also when you least expect it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. With that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Christian, Perfirio, and Henry. <laughs>